How long is this series is this series going to last? Forever. Okay, so I don't know. A little while yet. Uh, last week I, I talked about uh, Christians and government and the importance of praying for those in authority. Tonight I'm going to be looking at the book of Daniel and uh, gleaning some principles on uh, how to live a godly life in the midst of an ungodly uh, government, Uh, Daniel, as he's taken into captivity in Babylon. There's so much that we could look at in the book of Daniel, but I'm going to uh, refrain from doing that because in September, uh, we're going to be offering a Sunday school class on the book of Daniel. It's going to be team taught by myself and Pastor Dave and Chris Moritz. Looking forward to that. And so uh, I'm not going to do a great deal in Daniel, but I certainly wanted to touch on it for there are some very significant principles for us. We'll get to them kind of in the middle of this uh, lesson tonight. But I begin with what happens when the circumstances of living in a pluralistic society come into conflict with our religious and moral convictions. As I say, Daniel was carried away captive to Babylon. Uh, There they worshipped false gods. They did not worship the true and living God. And it created a lot of difficulties for Daniel. So while Daniel was being trained in preparation for service to the king of Babylon, he encountered a moral dilemma. Actually, there were numerous moral dilemma that he encountered. I'm going to look at just one of them tonight. It's very familiar to you. It's the incident of eating uh, food that would have been defiling to Daniel. So the key verse is Daniel 1.5. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to be uh, to stand before the king. Theme, lessons to be learned from Daniel's response to the religious and moral dilemma that he encountered. The setting for Daniel's religious and moral dilemma. Daniel had been selected and was being trained for service to the Babylonian king. At the end of Daniel 1.5, it says in the ESV, they were standing <coughs> before the king. Uh, elsewhere, another version says, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. So Daniel was in his time of preparation. Daniel's personal history in being chosen for service. Jerusalem had fallen to Babylon. Daniel 1.1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with some of the vessels of the house of God. And, the Lord, uh, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Daniel was a Jew taken in captivity to the land of Babylon. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people to Israel. Daniel was a member of the nobility. For it tells us in the end of verse 3, both of the royal family and of the nobility. So Daniel held a significant place and role in Jewish society even before he was taken to Babylon. He had what would seem to be a bright future, but was cut short because of the fall of Jerusalem. The point being that Daniel was taken to Babylon against his will and forced into service of an enemy king. 
He did not ask to be there. He did not run for office. He did not offer himself in service to this king. He was there through no fault of his own, with no desire to be there, and found himself in a very difficult situation. Daniel's personal qualifications for being chosen for the king's service. Why was he chosen among all the others? Well, first of all, Daniel was young. He was a youth. Okay? Secondly, Daniel was in good health. He was without blemish. Uh, another translation says without any physical defect. Daniel was handsome, of good appearance. Daniel was well-rounded, endowed with knowledge, understanding, and learning. So even before Daniel was educated under the Babylonian tutelage, he already was a very knowledgeable, bright young man. Tells us, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. He was not just good at one thing, say languages or math or a particular area of study, but well-rounded, knowledgeable. He was a quick learner. Uh, understanding, learning, it says, uh, meaning that uh, another translation was quick to understand. He was a quick study, picked things up easily. And Daniel had what it took to be an outstanding leader. Daniel 1.4, used without blemish, of good appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. Or another translation, qualified to serve in the king's palace. Next we move to Daniel's privileges and having been chosen for the king's service. First, he was to receive the best education and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. So he was to be prepared to minister in Babylon. Obviously, he was going to have to be able to speak the language. Not only was he supposed to know the language, but he had to be introduced to the culture. He had to understand their laws. He had to understand how Babylonian people thought. He had to understand the way in which they functioned. All of that had to be learned, for he was a foreigner. Uh, so he was taught all of that material. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. He was to receive the best of food. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. And it was eating the king's food that proved to be a religious and moral dilemma for Daniel. Application. First, Daniel had at one and the same time a hard and good life. It certainly would have been difficult to have been torn from his family, uh, to be transported from Jerusalem to now this foreign city, uh, placed in mandated service, but at the same time he's being treated well. Uh, he's been offered the best of food. He's uh, got probably a very comfortable place to stay. Uh, he has the best job that one could have in the sense that he's going to be working for the government and he is going to have a, person, uh, a place of responsibility. So there are ongoing tensions in the life of Daniel. 
Uh, it's kind of like uh, Dickens, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times uh, for Daniel. Next, Daniel found himself in a moral dilemma that was not one of his own choosing. Daniel would have to make some tough decisions. In being a Jew and being devout, he was forced to constantly ask himself, as a Jewish individual, what must I do? How am I to conduct myself as a Jew? What can I do in promoting this heathen government, being faithful to this king, and at the same time being faithful to my God? And I begin here by saying that's the point in which this narrative touches our lives. For Right now, we have situations where we must ask ourselves, as a Christian, what is my responsibility to obey the laws of this land and uh, to foster the well-being of my fellow citizens? And when does obeying the laws of the land or foster the well-being of my fellow citizens stand in conflict with my religious convictions and faith? And it is not always easy to make clear lines of demarcation as to what, as a Christian, I should do and what, as a Christian, I should not do. So that is what we want to focus on in Daniel's life, to look at some of the ways in which he made these decisions. So Daniel's response to his religious and moral dilemma Well, first, Daniel refuses to compromise his religious and moral convictions. Verse 8, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. First, Daniel uses discernment in establishing his moral convictions. For example, he does not refuse to be called by a Babylonian name. Among These were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the tribe of Judah, and the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. That was a Babylonian name. Daniel was a name that was given to him to um, honor God. The suffix El stands for Elohim. Dan recognizes uh, the tribe of, of Daniel. And so here he has a name that honors God, and he's given this Babylonian name. What is interesting in the scriptures is that in the book of Daniel, Daniel's almost always referred to by his Jewish name, whereas his cohorts are usually referred to by their Babylonian names. But my point to you is that he was given a Babylonian name, and he didn't seem to balk at that. That didn't violate the law of God. So he was okay with that because it did not violate the law of God. What I'm saying to you is sometimes in life we experience things that we're not comfortable with. We experience things that would not be our preference, would not be our desire. But if it doesn't actually contradict the word of God, it 
isn't something that we necessarily uh, can't go along with or we cannot submit to. Uh, so the Word of God has to be our standard in making these moral and religious decisions, as opposed to tradition, as opposed to preference, and all these other things. Second thing, Daniel is willing to be different from his companions. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. He made a personal decision, regardless of what other people were going to do. This is how he was going to live his life. And as Christians, that is an essential element of our personal walk with the Lord. We have to make decisions regardless of what other people decide to do. We have to answer to God. And so, even as the New Testament says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Uh, We have to examine our lives. We have to examine the responsibilities that we have and come to some decisions about what we and can or cannot do as a Christian and someone else may not come to the same conclusion that we do. That doesn't matter. The point is, what would God have us to do as individuals? And we have to live up to our own conscience, our own understanding of the Word of God. That's why we have to examine it. And uh, the New Testament is filled with examples, such as keeping the Sabbath day, eating meat, all kinds of things that in the day and culture of the period of time, they argued about as to what was lawful and what was not lawful, we have to wrestle with those things ourselves. Thirdly, Daniel was willing to be to take initiative and be a spokesman for the group. Therefore, uh, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with, a, with wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. He had to speak up. All right, he he had to be willing to address the issue. There are times when we cannot be silent and we have to speak up. So Daniel did. Daniel was forthright in his request. He was willing to make his moral and religious convictions known. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. He didn't make up an excuse. He didn't try to hide his moral and religious conviction. He said to the eunuch, this violates the law of God by saying that it would defile him. He didn't say, I don't like the food. He didn't say it was going to make me sick. He didn't say, I'm unworthy of it. He didn't try to beat around the bush and make up some other kind of presenting argument that would allow him to uh, fulfill his moral duty without being associated with his religious convictions. Okay? So what I'm saying to you is, is we need to speak up about what are indeed our moral convictions and not simply um, say, you know, I don't feel that, like that or I don't want to do that or it doesn't work out or whatever the case may be. 
I've used the example, uh, but uh, in my own life, years ago, okay, uh, when uh, I was working at Hughes and Hatchers, it was a clothing store. It was closed on Sundays, uh, and uh, the uh, inventory was taking place, and the uh, manager of the store said, everyone has to work on this particular Sunday in order to take inventory. I said, I don't want to work. I said, why don't you want to work? I said, well, I don't want to work because I don't want to work on Sunday, and I teach Sunday school, and I have responsibilities, and I'd like to be relieved. And he said, too bad. You got to work. More later. B, Daniel did not force his religious convictions upon anyone else, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself and not to defile himself. Okay? He wasn't making religious and moral decisions for other people. He was making them for himself. And that's what we have to do as well. Okay? We're not trying to pass judgment on everyone else. We are coming up with what is our moral position. Uh, he did not say that the king should not eat that food. He did not require his friends not to eat the food. It is obvious, however, that his friends came to share Daniel's convictions, for he tell, tells us in Daniel one twelve, test your servants, period, for ten days. Let us, plural, be given vegetables to eat and water. Then let our appearance, plural, and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you. Okay? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went along with Daniel. But, number four, and oftentimes overlooked, but not all the Jewish captives came to share his convictions. For it says in verse 13, compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. So there were other Jewish captives there that decided to eat the food, which is part of the moral dilemma. Daniel is going to stick out like a sore thumb. It also is part of the moral dilemma for how does he present this to this eunuch who is a Babylonian, and Daniel says, I can't eat this food. What's the natural question of the eunuch? Well, why can these people eat the food? Why just you and your three cohorts and everybody else is eating the food? But Daniel is willing to stand his ground. Note the temptations that have been present for Daniel to fail to maintain his religious and moral integrity. First, the fact that he was far from home and who would know if he was faithful to God or not? Okay, Why was he doing this? Who was going to know, who was going to care whether he ate this food or not? Only God would know. But, interestingly enough, thousands of years later, we know that he did not eat this food. This testimony has served to be an example and a blessing for myriads of generations to follow. Who would have thought it? Who would have realized it? David, excuse me, Daniel could not have known that at the time. But uh, what he is going to do is going to be of great inspiration for many, many people to follow. 
but it would seem as though no one's going to know, and it really wouldn't matter. Secondly, the fact that he was a captive, and it did not seem to have benefited him in being a Jew. You see, that's, that's a negative. Daniel lived in the capital of Judah. He was in Jerusalem. And it fell. And not only did the city fall, but the temple was raided. We read where they took things out of the temple and placed them into a temple of a false god. Where had his religious convictions gotten him so far? Answer, taken captive and put into a forced position where he didn't want to be. Okay, So where had his faithfulness got him? We have to be careful in our pragmatism. And we might ask ourselves, where did our faithfulness get us? Or if we are actually in a time of persecution, when things really start getting tough for us as Christians, we can look at this and say, well, where did our prayers get us? Where did our faithfulness get us? Where did our relying upon the Lord get us? Look at the trouble we are in. That's part of the moral dilemma. Third, the fact that there were some other Jews with him who did not have the same convictions or were unwilling to act upon their convictions. That was part of the moral dilemma. Why didn't they share his values? Why didn't they conduct him himself the way he did? If we're not careful, we can allow other people's unfaithfulness to discourage us and our faithfulness. Um, I think young people really struggle with that a lot, and they bring that up to their parents. Why can't we do this when this other family over here, they can do this? Uh, Or why are we living this way and all my friends, and they're good Christians, and they don't live this way? They haven't decided to conduct themselves in this way. That's part of the moral dilemma. That's part of the problem. That's a part of the personal convictions. Four, he could have reasoned that he would be able to serve God more effectively by rising to a place of prominence rather than to end his career over such an unimportant issue as maintaining the dietary laws. He's being groomed to serve the king. And before he ever enters into the service of the king, he's putting up this roadblock of refusing to eat the food that comes from the king's table. It's like he's throwing his career away, throwing every opportunity away to influence the king. You know, if if he would compromise in this one little insignificant area in order to be able to have a place of prominence and importance and then stand up for the things of God, how much more effective that would be. It's easy to reason that way. And then fifthly, in Making such a decision, he was risking his life. For the eunuch says, And the chief eunuch said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the ewes were of your own age, so you would endanger my head with a king? Eunuch says, This could cost me my life, what you're asking me. So it could easily and obviously cost Daniel his life. Just 
Further for support for that, in Daniel 2, 10, 11, and 12, the astrologers answered the king. This is when the king had a dream that they could not answer. There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asked. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or a chanter or an astrologer. That was to interpret a dream without telling them what the dream was. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Of course, Daniel's going to interpret the dream and spare his life and the lives of others. But the point is that Daniel's life was in the king's hand. He would be serving at the king's whim. Remember, he is a captive. He's insulting the king by refusing to eat the king's food. What is good enough for the king is not good enough for Daniel. Is how that could be perceived and received. So let's look at the manner in which Daniel responds to his moral and religious dilemma. First, Daniel understood the predicament that his request created for the chief official. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. That's an important prelude to all of this. Okay? The only reason that this works is that God is in it. That God moved in the heart of the eunuch. All these things I'm going to say about Daniel, in, in essence, are irrelevant for God was going to honor this request. God was going to bless it. And we need to ultimately reply, rely upon God in all of our moral convictions, believing that God is going to honor us seeking to honor him. But notice, the chief of the eunuch said, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So why? So you would endanger my head with the king. First, the official liked Daniel and Daniel knew it. The official was afraid of the king. The official would be putting his life in danger by granting Daniel's request. Application. We need to be sympathetic to the predicament that we sometimes place others in as a result of our own moral and religious convictions. Let me say that again. We need to be sympathetic to the predicament that we sometimes place our others in as a result of our own moral and religious convictions. When we take a stand, many times we are forcing other people to take stands as well. People who don't share the same moral and religious convictions. You think about that person that refused to uh, sign <clears throat> those uh, wedding licenses. That was not just a decision that affected that woman. That was a decision that affected her office. That was a decision, a decision that affected her coworkers. That was a decision that, uh, that affected... Ultimately, the government, I mean, the governor, that, that decision 
had ramifications for all those people around them. We need to understand that. Many times, you know, if we take some, convic- uh, some position at work, it might affect our boss. It might affect the owner of the company. Uh, take a conviction, uh, take a position at school, it might affect our teacher, it might affect our classmates. Uh, life is complex. And uh, many, many times, the things that, that we are going to uh, take a position on affects others. So B, Daniel then suggested a reasonable solution. Daniel suggested an alternative. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Daniel suggested a test. Test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and to drink water. Daniel suggested a test respectfully. Test your servants. Uh, Another translation says, please test your servants. I think that's a good translation. Uh, He was showing respect to this eunuch. He didn't demand. He requested. Daniel suggested a brief test. Ten days. Okay, How sickly could we look in ten days? Daniel suggested a test that was in keeping with the dietary laws of the Old Testament. Test your servant days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. He was going to stay away from meats. He was going to stay away from uh, fermented drinks. He was going to obey the dietary laws of the Old Testament. And Daniel suggested a test that recognized and did not undermine the authority of the chief eunuch. Then let our appearance and, and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. Daniel was willing to recognize the authority of the eunuch. He was saying, I will abide by your decision. I will do what you say. Just give us this opportunity. And the result was that Daniel was able to maintain his religious and moral convictions. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance, fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Again, obviously, God was at work in a demonstrable way. been my experience that a diet for 10 days doesn't make a whole lot of difference. It takes time. It takes time before your appearance changes. This obviously was a work of God, just as the uh, favor that was shown. But Daniel believed that God would honor this request. So, uh, Application. Daniel was not intimidated by the guard. Daniel was being protected by God. Daniel was willing to risk the favor that he enjoyed with the guard. Daniel was thoughtful in his response. And Daniel came up with a solution that was acceptable to all parties involved. Uh, That's what we need to do as well. We need to think about what solutions are available. 
And a lot of times, if we give some thought, there are solutions that are available. Even as there was in that incident where the woman was not willing to sign the uh, marriage licenses, there was an alternative. And many times, there are in life alternatives if we're willing to stop and think and be reasonable and allow our integrity to stand forth at the same time recognizing other people's authority and responsibilities and duties and putting it all together in a synthetic kind of way uh, to arrive at a good conclusion. Fourthly, in maintaining his moral and religious convictions, Daniel was in place where God could use him. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with him. Among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. He was exceptional. What is interesting to me is that he was an exceptional, he was an exceptional young man in the beginning of this process. Quick to learn, all these other things. But God, again, honored Daniel and his three friends for uh, taking the stands. And as a result, God caused them to be ten times more knowledgeable than all the others that were experiencing the train, same training that he had gone through. That's pretty remarkable. That is scoring 100 on an exam where everybody else gets a 10. That is truly amazing. That is truly outstanding. Uh, God did a great work. And that's the kind of God we have. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. And we could go on and tell more of the story, and I think most of you know the escapades of Daniel and his service before God. God had him in a place where God could use him, but it started out in this little seemingly incidental issue of whether he would eat the king's food or not. But the scripture teaches us that those who are faithful in the little things will be rewarded in the great things. If we are faithful in the little things, the big things will take care of themselves. A. God had equipped Daniel and his friends with great ability. Initially, it was Daniel and his three friends' ability that distinguished them in the sight of the king. It would be some time later that they would be appreciated for their religious convictions. Eventually, eventually, Daniel is going to shine because of his religious convictions. 
the king is going to come to recognize that what makes Daniel so excellent is Daniel's relationship to God. He's going to experience that through the, through the dream, through the vision, and through Daniel's conduct. Going into lines, then, all that good stuff. Okay? Daniel is really going to have a witness. And the king actually becomes converted eventually as a result of Daniel's faithfulness. In fact, their religious convictions would be getting them into trouble in the future. You think of the idol and uh, having to bow down to that. You think of the incident where uh, Daniel was forced to, uh, when the law was passed, that he was not allowed to pray. And uh, Daniel continues to pray as he did. All these issues, all these moral convictions come up time and time and time again. Nevertheless, they remain faithful to God. So, final applications and conclusions. Uh, We uh, can find ourselves in situations where we are at odds with others because of our religious and moral convictions. Sometimes we're even at odds with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to be faithful to our conscience in dealing with people that are in authority over us, including those that are non-believers, including those that are governmental officials, first of all, we need to show them respect. Show them respect. In the New Testament, it tells us that we are uh, to treat our president, our people in authority, with respect. Uh, we're not to be calling them names. We're not to be ridiculing, etc., etc. But we are to be treating people that are over us with respect, with kindness. We are to recognize how our moral convictions can be a real difficulty for people who don't share those same moral convictions. How we can put people into very awkward positions because we are not willing to violate our conscience or go against the word of God. We need to be sensitive to that. We need to be people who think through and try to provide solutions that will satisfy the people that are over us and at the same time allow us to exercise our religious convictions. So we need to be people of wisdom. We need to be people of courage. And we need to rely upon God that he's going to see us through these difficult situations. And certainly, I don't have time to do the book of Daniel tonight, but you can think upon the times, that it doesn't always work out this nice and neat way that we looked at tonight. Daniel's going to find himself in a lion's den because of his moral convictions. So sometimes life gets pretty tough because of our moral convictions as well. But so be it. May God give us grace. May God give us wisdom to know how to respond in a difficult period of time in which we live. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the life example of Daniel. Help us to be people who find ourselves many times at odds with others because of our religious and moral convictions. Help us to know how to respond in that time. Help us not to be judgmental of our brothers and sisters in Christ who do not share our convictions. Help us, Lord, to be unwavering, however, in our own conviction. May it not serve to undermine Uh, our resolve. Uh, May we be gracious in the way in which we 
present that resolve. May we understand the dilemmas that it puts other people in. Uh, Lord, may we be creative in seeking solutions that will uphold the law. At the same time, help us to uh, allow us to maintain our religious and moral convictions. Uh, Lord, help us to realize that in many times that means that we need to sacrifice in some other way. Even as Daniel gave up the eating of the foods and replaced them simply with vegetables and water. Uh, Lord, uh, may we realize that the difficulty is the onus of it is on us and not others. Uh, So Lord, help us even as we think about this study. Prepare us for life as it really is to live righteous and holy lives in a society and culture that views life so differently than what we do. Um, Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.